again broadcasting or recording this podcast from the floor of the exhibit hall at Trees and Utilities. We're really pleased to have with us Hal Acree, and uh, welcome, Hal. Well, thank you, Phil. It's yeah. great to be here. Well, good. Yeah. Hey, Excited Hal, to have you. Introduce yourself. Tell us about you and about your, a little bit about your background. Huh, okay. Well, how far back you want me to go? I got a ways. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. Uh, I, well, actually, uh, I spent... Uh, biggest part of my professional career in commercial truck equipment. So uh, I've been around equipment a lot, like we see around the hall here, uh, pretty much all my career. It's just been on a completely different side of the uh, commercial fence, if you will. You know, so uh, it's funny. I've I've built and sold uh, thousands of trucks probably in my career to utility companies and had no idea that any of this even existed. So so I spent a lot of time building all the different kinds of trucks, service bodies, dump bodies, cranes, buckets, that kind of thing, and and, um, uh, did so for a couple of different companies. I've been with uh, mainly national fleet-focused commercial truck upfitters. A couple of years ago, had an opportunity to join Progress Rail um, on the utility vegetation management side. We built some trimmers and uh, mowers, and and um, uh, like I said, it's kind of like an old dog and new tricks. I'm really yeah. enjoying it. Well, good. Yeah. A little, little bit of a career change, but not completely. Yeah. yeah. Hal, when just for for the audience and even for my sake, like when you say you you build, are you designing like and like you guys are in-house manufacturing, like explain to us the extent of your involvement in that process. Uh, yeah, um, it's it, it's kind of unique too because um, trucks, commercial trucks, are built in more than one stage. So, for instance, an OEM. A original equipment manufacturer would build a chassis, like say a Ford would build a Super Duty cabin chassis without a bed on the back. And then we could take that chassis and we could mount a flatbed with a lift gate. We could mount a service body with a crane. We could mount the bucket truck with yep. the service body. You know, so so we were what's called a final stage manufacturer. Where we take an incomplete vehicle and turn it into what it was uh, I meant see. to be. So kind yeah. of modulizing right. what's there. I've got some pieces. I'm going to turn it into something functional for those guys. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Exactly. We would do. I used to say we'd do anything for a buck as long as it was safe and legal, right? You know, so <laughs> like we that. could do just about anything with a truck. Yeah. Nice. Oh, good. So how's... Uh, Unusual. I should say that. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks Great very much. Segue. In yeah. that, so every year the UAA has the System Utility Veg Manager Summit. They've been doing it for many years. I don't know, 15, 20 years. And they never allow anybody that's not employed by the utility in. And how is the rare, I shouldn't have said unusual, rare individual uh, that doesn't work for a utility but was invited to the summit? And that's pretty impressive. Well, thanks. I think I'm yeah, unusual think so. and rare. Yeah. I, I took back the unusual, rare. Yeah. Um, Fine one. I was there ten yeah. years, and I can't remember ever inviting uh, somebody from wow. outside. So well, that you, is you, special. Uh, then yeah. I think it is. 
How, where, where are you based? Uh, I live in Lafayette, Indiana. I work out of an office in my home remotely. And, and okay. uh, uh, my, my title at Progress Rail is National Sales Manager of Utility Vegetation okay. Equipment. And uh, I work on a t- team with two other guys, and we basically cover the country uh, from different locations. Uh, our plant is in Montgomery, Alabama. Yep. That's where we manufacture the trimmers and the mowers and such. Yeah. What have you seen industry-wise in terms of filling orders? Like, is this, are you super busy? Like, have you seen an uptick over the last, say, three or four years? Like, what kind of trends are you seeing in terms of the requests coming out of the utilities? Yeah, I've only been in the industry for two, two years. years. But uh, in that time, I think we've seen some movement toward, or what I'm learning as I'm going here, is that... You know, it's such a hard balance to strike. I mean, these utility veg managers, you know, to try to weigh the care of the tree, the care of the forest, the care of the right of way, maintain reliability. I mean, these are all very difficult things. And then you throw in endangered species, different habitat, soil degradation, all of these issues. So um, uh, trying to marry uh, and at the same time, you know, control a budget. And get things done on time yep. and in time, right? Yep. So all of those issues, are, I think, are uh, the mechanical-type right-of-way equipment is, is expanding mm. uh, just because it tends to be, um, you know, I would say this about, about mechanical uh, right-of-way management, is the equipment is, is first and foremost safe and productive, so, so I think every manufacturer here would say, would lead with our machine, regardless of what it does. It could be a tree trimmer like we build. It could be a tree feller. It's it could safe. be, is safe and productive. We keep, we try to keep the employees out of, out of harm's way, right? So if we can be safe and productive, uh, and, and then tick all of those boxes, it's more, I think, on the utilities radar these days. And we hear the, the buzzwords like, you know, total integrated vegetation management plans and things like that. And when you, you know, there's, there's, that means there's a little piece for just about everything yeah. to play a bigger role. And I think our world is getting bigger in that way. It's definitely yeah. getting bigger. Interesting. So can you tell us something about the uh, presentation at the summit? What they, what they asked you to do? And yeah, yeah. Give us a rundown. <clears throat> well, it's starting to all make sense to me now. But uh, you know, about well, well, the the uh, they asked me to to basically try to to present the goods and bads of all the different types of vegetation management equipment that's used on right of way maintenance. Right. So. Uh, and the caveat was, and we don't need a 35-minute sales pitch, you know. So they didn't want they wanted me to leave my sales hat at the house and and come and basically try to present all the different types of equipment. And it was a great exercise for me because, again, I'm not, I'm not a, a 30-year veteran in it, so it, it provided me the conduit to really kind of do a little research and get to know some stuff. So um, uh, that was fun because I just put a presentation together that, that included some of the stuff that we built, but also a lot of the equipment that um, is used that uh, we don't build, but it's still in the right of ways. What even got you in the in this just broad space? Not not from just the utility vegetation management space, but equipment manufacturing. Like, yeah, you know what what got you uh, down that path? 
<laughs> well, uh, you know, again, coming from the truck world, I grew up in Detroit. Uh, my dad was an engineer with Ford. We settled in Louisville when I was in, in high school. And, um, you know, the truth of the matter is I always wanted to be a baseball player than a baseball <laughs> coach, you know, like most young guys. And then you think, well, um, uh, I wasn't good enough to do that, clearly. <laughs> but um, what got me in it was uh, I, I was a mechanic when I was about 17 years old. Uh, and in Louisville, where they built a lot of trucks, yeah. there were jobs there for uh, guys. And, you know, I mean, back then it was, you know, $3 an hour. I mean, that was high oh cotton. My God, yeah. And um, uh, so that got me into the equipment. And then I just kind of, you know, it's funny. Uh, uh, you, you, one day you look up and 40 years is gone and you've been, you know, doing the same thing over and over. But I really enjoyed it. Innovation's coming out. You know, what are we looking for in the next few years? Well, I could tell you, but then I'd have to kill uh, you. Okay. Um, <laughs> but tell us the Don't worry, nobody's listening here. <laughs> <laughs> well... I mean, you know, some of the innovations coming out, a lot of it has to to do with, uh, at least in in the circles that that I'm playing in, uh, I I don't pretend to speak for the entire industry or anybody that builds machines, but the... you know, it's it's the same in everything. Uh, in my world, seventy five foot's not high enough. You know, the specs read ground to sky. So, how tall can we get a a saw from the ground up to trim? And then now, there's aerial trimmers that come from the sky down, right? You know, and 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 there, yeah, exactly, right across the way here. Yep. So there are answers to those, but but trying to 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 basically discover the most cost effective, safest way that doesn't compact soil is bad, that doesn't put the tree in any danger or adversely affect. So things like, in other words, so the innovation or how do we get higher from the ground? That way you keep climbers out of trees and you i mean things that are yeah. dangerous to do i mean we we're in a very dangerous industry and 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 um uh and manage that safely and also you know like how to make a proper cut on a tree limb you know the well i said cut you know one of the things i learned at that uvm yeah, means there's a difference between pruning and trimming and cutting you know yes. and, and again that, this is fantastic stuff yes. to learn well, so yeah. So trying to get mechanized pruning, I think, would be a huge innovation if we can figure out how to do that. Mechanized pruning. Interesting. So, you know, that kind of stuff, I yeah. guess, would be. Uh, and we're, you know, we're working on product development where if you can get equipment that is transportable, where it's not uh, so big that you've got to get permitted trailers and things like that to move it around that still can reach high, that can fit in people's backyards. You know, those are all the, the, uh, the things that tick all the boxes. Right. Yeah. So, you know, in the industry everywhere, you can't get workers. You can't get workers. So do you see a shift towards a mechanized approaches that rely more on equipment? Than people, yeah, absolutely. I was just talking to um, uh, somebody just down from our booth today, you know, who was describing the the equipment that they use to do some trimming on right of ways, and it's typically transmission lines because they were looking at some pretty big, expensive equipment. But uh, one of the biggest motivators were, 
you know, if, if you use a, you know, climbers with chippers and bucketing and all of that, you've got 12 people that are running on this one crew on two different sides of a road at one time. They're doing it with three people, you know, and, and, um, uh, I think that that uh, we've heard that from a number of our customers on some of the trimmers that we got. It's not a question of, of. Uh uh, I mean, you, you know, we we would argue that it's safe and productive, but they'll sit, they can find a guy that would sit in an air-conditioned cab and trim a tree. It's hard to find one that's going to stand in a bucket at 95-degree heat, you know, and, and, and run a chainsaw. I mean, it's hard yeah. to find those guys. Yeah, yeah the, um, you know, obviously we're in a, an inflationary environment. Everything is expensive, and I'm sure the inputs to make the things that you guys need to make have gone up in cost and you're going to have to reflect that in your price. You know, talk a little bit about the economic side of, you know, equipment manufacturing and, you know, how that's impacted decisions that you guys have had to make over the last couple of years. Yeah. Well, you know, supply chain, supply chain, supply chain. Yep. Right? I mean, that's what we've all heard. You yep. know, I'm sick of hearing. Yep. Um, but, you know, I, I would say that, that where we're at today versus where we were even just six months ago is a lot better place. Uh, 2022, we saw um, just in-house, we saw, uh, uh, and, and we had, and it rolled down. 2022 was a tough year from a, from a price standpoint, but still a record year on sales in many ways. Uh, the need for the equipment was there, and I think it was maybe even um, accelerated by, by, you know, basically the lead times that were being quoted by folks. So people were over ordering a little bit just to hopefully get what they could get. Yep. So what we saw last year, you know, were market surcharges based on steel prices because you couldn't ship a machine in 30 days and the price was fluctuating every 30 days. Uh, uh, that has planed out. I think uh, if you look at, again, I can only speak for, for us, uh, uh, but if you look at our pricing right now, and uh, in in, uh, we've been able to basically, um, uh, you know, that's, that's pulled back. You know, so our price today is lower than it was this same time last year. So, Hal, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the competitive landscape in terms of other you know, folks that are manufacturing equipment as well. Obviously, you don't need to name them. Why give them the the, the edge? <laughs> no, um, no. I was just kind of curious that, like, you know, from a point of differentiation, like, what is kind of the point of differentiation for you guys? Is it a is it managing that supply chain a little bit better or innovating a little faster? Like, how are you separating from the other guys out there building for the utilities? Um, well, that's a good question. It, it, I, I, uh, you know, the value the value system of each customer that we have is a little bit different, you know? So, you know, for some, for some accounts, price is important for others. It's, it's, uh, uh, perhaps service. I think a couple of things that we find that helps differentiate us is we, we try to maintain a reasonable lead time. So we run a production schedule that, um, uh, we try to stay ahead of the curve. So we're not, we're not necessarily building a backlog and then executing. So we call it, you know, build, build to stock as opposed to build to order. And then we sell from stock. Oh, right. So like you're essentially making sure that somebody's 
bought it before you've produced it, right? Well, well, yeah, we're not doing that. What we're saying is we, we're our product line is so fixed and mature that... You, you can have inventory. Right. In other words, there's not a lot of option content. Yeah, and, yeah. and we're able to uh, uh, keep things as modular enough on our equipment where if you wanted to add a front wench to a machine or, you know, another bell or whistle, we can do that pretty easily oh, on a stock cool. unit. Yeah. Wow. So, is, there, is there a lot of... Do you find that the industry, there's a lot of curation in the equipment or has it, is it pretty standardized and the things that you're adding are like, like buying a car and you're adding like, you know, air conditioning, like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, in the stuff that we've got, there's, there's really not, I mean, in a trimmer, it's all about, you know, trimming and doing it in a way that you're not in a in a way that you can navigate whatever terrain you're on without rolling over more about again safe and productive and and then the creature comforts are like air conditioning which is a standard these days on on all the equipment and um uh not just ours i mean you know yeah through the whole thing i'd be shocked yeah but but the um uh, the, the stuff would be like, like for instance, uh, our machines are like 24 volts, so it, it's not real easy to stick a AM, FM, you know, CD changer stereo in there. And most of the time, the the managers don't want their guys in there listening. That they need to be paying attention to what they're doing, <laughs> yeah. right? You yeah. know, again, safe and productive. Yeah. So, so we're we're. Um, um, the option content that we have typically allows for either a better, safer operation. Strobe lighting, if you're going to be on road, for yeah. instance, would be. Is know. there is there a secondary market for your equipment? Like, and do you guys also then create revenue from like maintenance contracts as well? Do you buy the equipment back? Do you repurpose it, refurbish it? Right. Or? Well, thank you for. I mean, actually, that's a big part of what we do. Is we have a a remanufacturing program where uh, uh, for. Uh, where we take a machine that could be as as old as fifteen, I mean, we've we've done one eighteen years now. Wow! That that uh, if you look at at our trimmer, it's an articulating rubber tire trimmer. So it's a very heavy, thick steel. Yeah. You, you know, we just kind of you know build it that way. Yeah. And it's <clears throat> uh, what we're able to do is completely disassemble it strip it, blast the frame, make whatever repairs, and then we go back with a all-new or remanufactured component. So we do a complete rebuild of a, a Skytrim yeah. machine. Yeah. And, and, in fact, we market that um, uh, uh, in... in, in uh, last year, that was one of the things that helped us because a lot of the the cost uh, fluctuation and increases in 2022 yep. were steel related. Yep. And if you look at our rebuild program, the stuff that we reuse was all the stuff that was made out of steel. Wow. So That's awesome. we were actually able to hold that price yep. firm for the year. Oh, very yeah. good. So. Well, how. I really appreciate you making time today. This is fascinating. Very different perspective. It, it really is. It shows yeah. you how big an industry is. Oh, yeah. And, you know, sometimes <laughs> you know. we think it's just in the tree. But yeah, no. This is, it takes uh, a whole massive industry to support oh, well, it. Yeah, it this, does. This is cool. Yeah, I'm enjoying it. Yeah. I appreciate you guys having no, me. No, it was great. great. Yeah. You were, you were fantastic. Thank you. Thanks, thanks. Yeah, thanks thank for you. joining us. That's it for this episode of Trees and Lines, brought to you by Iapetus Holdings. If you like the show, please give us a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. If you have any questions or comments on any of our episodes or ideas for topics or guests, we'd love to hear from you. 
please contact us at treesandlines at iapetusllc.com. We'll chat with you soon.